Hey everyone, this is Jaron Hollis with the Believer's Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. I pray that it inspires you, it challenges you, and it helps you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning, Believer's Church. How's everybody doing so far today? Oh man, Believer's Church, make some noise for our guests that are here today. It's so good to see you. It's so good to have you. It really does mean the world to us, whether you are here in person or you're watching online. It means a lot to us that you would take time out of your busy schedules to be here with us. I know that this isn't the cultural norm nowadays. Uh, So real quick question to you. How many of you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks and we've been talking about being too busy? Y'all been here? Have y'all enjoyed it a little bit? Enjoyed it? All right. So today's a bittersweet day. The reason why is because this is the third and final lesson of this series. So I'm, I'm a little bummed out, but I'm also really, really excited to deliver it to you. But before we get to that, I want to do something really important, which is recap for the people that haven't been here. So we've been talking about being really, really busy. How many of y'all know that we really live busy lives today here in America? So what I've done is I've talked about being too busy for Jesus, and I've talked about being too busy chasing stuff. Any of y'all take, tried to put into practice what I've been talking about? Anybody try to take it home? I had a couple of people say, oh man, I, I went straight home and I deleted all the extra apps off my phone. I've been trying to spend time with Jesus. There was one woman, she came up to me and she said, we didn't even, we didn't even, she didn't, she didn't hear what I said about rest. She was like, I got home with my husband and I said, we're cleaning out the garage right now. We're getting rid of all the stuff. I was like, well, that's, you know, that's one way to look at it. But that's what the word of God should do, right? We shouldn't just hear it. It shouldn't just make us feel good. We shouldn't just be here as a part of a social club. We should take it and we should be compelled to change our lives based off of what Jesus says. That's what we should do. So if you've heard any of these words and and God has moved on your heart and you've been compelled to make a change, guess what? Welcome to the faith. That's what it's all about. Us making a difference, one little step at a time, trying to follow Jesus, making him our rabbi, wanting, anybody remember this, trying to be covered in his dust, following him so closely that we're covered in the dust that comes off of his heels when he walks. I love that. So powerful. So I want to recap for you really quickly the two promises that we made in the first two weeks. Jesus says this. He says, if you'll take my yoke upon you, you remember that? And for those of you that are not church people and you're like, well, why is Jesus talking about eggs? He's not talking about eggs. He's talking about a yoke that you would see on two horse or two ox. He says, if you would put that wooden or leather device around your neck that's tied to me, if you would tie yourself to me and learn to slow down and walk at my pace, because you read the Bible, guess what you're going to find out that Jesus didn't run anywhere. Jesus was never in a hurry. He says, you learn how to walk at my pace. You learn my unforced rhythms of grace. Guess what he says I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you rest that causes the weary to rest. If you act like Mary instead of Martha, right? If you come in and you sit down at my feet instead of being so busy with your productivity and your agenda and your career, if you just take some time to sit at my feet, I'll give you rest. And then the second week, he challenges us even further. He teaches about chasing after stuff, being way too busy chasing after things. He says, if you will reprioritize your, your life instead of chasing after stuff constantly, 
If you're trying to be your own master, if Best Buy is your master, if your job is your master, if your employer is your master, if chasing after the next car, the next house, the next experience, and paying a pretty penny for it is your master, guess what? I can't be your provider. But if you put me in the God spot, if you seek my kingdom first continually every day, if you put me first in everything you do, doesn't matter. I'm not just talking about putting me in a pocket of devotion in the morning. I'm talking about when you leave your house, you go on your job. If you put me first in everything you do, guess what he says he'll do? He says, I will give you everything that you need. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you a Lamborghini. Right? Because, because once you get that Lamborghini, you might stop coming to him. Some of us are like, well, Lord, if you just let me win the lottery, if you won the lottery, you'd say, well, guess what? I got so much money, I don't need God now. I'm my own provider. He gives some of us what we need, and some of us he needs for us to be rich, but not everybody. See, there's a huge difference between the prosperity gospel and the provision gospel. God is a provider, and some of us can't handle the excess. Ah. All right, let's move on. That's the recap, right? You, you, you tracking with me? You with me? Good. So this is the final week, and God is going to tell us something that's really, really interesting, and it's going to hurt more than the other two. God says, don't just slow down. Don't just tie yourself to me. Don't just stop chasing after stuff. God says, Stop. We're okay with maybe slowing down, right? We're okay with changing our pace. But when God says, just stop whatever you're doing, you're like, I can't justify that, God. That just sounds too unproductive for me. I'm, a, I'm an American. Don't do this to me, Jesus. And here's my question to you, and this is the final one. It's am I too busy to rest? Am I too busy to rest? In America, it's really easy to not rest. Y'all ever struggle with rest? We stink at resting as Americans. We're really bad at stopping. We're really bad at slowing down. Uh, anybody have off days that don't feel like off days? Right? You have a day off, right, Chris? You have a day off from work, but you spend that day off from work working on your stuff. You use it to tidy up your house or you use it to get ahead on your side hustle or you, your off days are spent working on something else. And God's saying, I just need you to slow down. He wrote it into your DNA. Y'all remember that God in the beginning, he made everything? He made everything and he made everything in six days. He made the moon, the stars, the sun. He created this weird thing called the day and night cycle because he knew you needed to rest. It's like he wrote it into our DNA, right? And our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls, we know that we need to rest. We're desperate for it. And guess what? I think the world knows that we're desperate for it. Well, I want to show you something really quickly. I'm going to share some advertisements with you because I want to reveal something to you that I've discovered for myself over the past couple of years is that when somebody is advertising something to you, they very rarely ever advertise hurry. You ever thought about that? Companies never sell you on being faster or hurrying or running. They'll sell you on productivity. They'll sell you on working less because the machine does it for you, right? Put up the, the coffee ads really quickly. When somebody sells you coffee, they don't sell you on, you, you do it so you can have more energy, but they don't show you somebody with a cup of coffee doing this, right? 
<laughs> no, this is what they show you. They show you rest. They show you relaxation. They show you taking in the, the, the blissful aroma because for some reason coffee smells better than it tastes. Right. So, so if you look here, I, I think this is so weird. If you look at coffee advertisements, it's really weird because you'll never see a coffee ad where somebody is drinking the coffee. They're always smelling it. You see this? They've been doing this for years. If aliens find these advertisements at some point in the future, they're going to be like, so this is the drink they used to smell so that they could relax. But don't drink it. It's poison. <laughs> So put up the, the, the advertisements of the robe couple and the sheets and the Lunesta ad. You ever see stuff like this, right? The everyday robe. The everyday terry cloth robe where you can rest and relax on your day off and not work on anything. You can pour yourself the ideal cup of coffee that you're going to sniff all day long. You can rest and relax and lay down in this beautiful set of Egyptian sheets, 800 thread count. I don't even know what that means, but I've read it somewhere. With pure bliss, right? <laughs> in this Lunesta ad, we will give you the prescription drug of your dreams. That doesn't look like an ad. That looks like Sleep the Movie. It's like, if you just take this pill, we'll give you rest. You ever looked at advertisements for vacation? Put it up there. Look at this. This is crazy. Throw up the vacation ads. If you go to Turkey, guess what they're going to give you? Unlimited peace. We discovered this secret and we stole it from Jesus. We can provide you now with unlimited peace. No. Come to Disney World where your dreams can come true, right? Don't, don't, don't get on me. I love Disney World. My wife has been like over 20 times. We know how to get through Disney World. Believe you me. But there's something deceptive about these pictures. When you look at advertisements for vacations, what do they show you? They show you you and you alone. Have you ever noticed in vacation ads, there's nobody else at the resort? It's just you. It's a lie. Look at Disney World, where your dreams can come true with only you, by yourself. No! This is the true picture of Disney World. Where children scream and parents cry. There's no rest there. You have to schedule your fast passes so you don't miss the ride. Because if you don't have a fast pass, you can't even ride the ride that you paid to go ride. Mm. Here at Corporation X, here at Disney, here at, in Turkey, here at Lunesta Factory, here at Starbucks, we, deserve, we believe that you deserve a good rest. And it's only going to cost you $7. We believe that you deserve the robe to wear every single day on your day off. You deserve it. It's only going to cost you 150 bucks. You deserve the sheets of your dreams. So on your day off when you just lay in bed and binge Netflix, it's only going to cost you $320. You deserve the sleep of your dream. And for $450 a month, you can have the prescription that will give you the rest that causes the weary to rest. You can have the vacation that you have always wanted. 
And it's only going to cost you $7,000. What are they doing? They're trying to sell you the Sabbath, and you just don't know it. They're trying to sell you rest that causes the weary to rest, but they can't promise you something that only God can promise you. You see, the Sabbath is something that you cannot buy. You cannot buy the Sabbath. The Sabbath isn't something that you purchase. It's something that you do, or actually, it's something that you stop doing. Y'all ready to dig in? All right. You can't buy the Sabbath. Let's start in Genesis chapter 2 really quickly, and let's see what happens and how it plays out from God's perspective. Uh, Verse 1 and 2 say this, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work, right? He rested from all his work. He stopped what he was doing. He took a step back. And he rested. You want to know what that word means in Hebrew? That word that says rested? I love the way that the NET says it. The New English Translation says it. Let's look at the word. And this is what it says. When it says rested, it actually says Shabbat. Look at your neighbor and say Shabbat. You ever heard that word? It's where we get the word Sabbath. It's their word, not ours. What does it mean? It means to rest. More importantly, it means stop. It means cease. Stop doing what you're doing. But on our days off, they're not days off, right? They're days working on our stuff. Verse 3 says this, And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And I want to look at this really quickly. He declared it holy. Y'all remember we talked about the word holy? What does the word holy mean? It can mean that he is righteous, he is different, he is, he is glorious. It can mean all those different things. But to be holy specifically means to be set apart. What does that mean? It means for six days, God was in go mode. He was in creation mode. He was in work mode. And on the seventh day, he stepped out of go and went into stop. He ceased from everything that he was doing and he stepped back and he looked at his creation. And do you know what he did? Jewish authors across, they look at the Bible and they look at the theme of the creation story. You know what they found out? They found out that there's this theme that God didn't just stop. He didn't just step back. He didn't just kick up his feet and take a nap. You know, God wasn't tired, right? He's God. He wasn't tired. He didn't need to take a nap. He stopped. He took a step back. And it says that he delighted in everything that he created. He delighted in it. He looked at everything that he had made. He looked at the moon, the sun, the stars, the earth, the sea, the air, the clouds, all the creatures in the sea, in the land, in the air. He looked at all of it. He stepped back. He looked at man. He looked at woman. He stepped back and he stopped and he delighted in what he had made. And I believe that God even, he has this capacity. I believe that God looked not just at that moment then and there. He looked through time and space and saw you here now. And he delighted in what he saw. He delighted in his creation, in the knowledge that he knew that you would come and be here now. So I'm going to take a step over here for a second. 
I spent my whole life watching somebody that knew how to delight. They still know how to delight. Her name is Randy Hollis. He's sitting over here. Wave your hand, Pastor Randy. Wave it up high. This is our lead pastor. Can I just say this? If you ever have a construction job in your house or on your property, never hire a Hollis. (laughs) Never do it. Why? Because... We, he, he taught me everything I know about construction. He taught me how, how to do plumbing and sheetrock and electrical work and, and all these different things. And I have successfully hidden those skills from my wife for years. But, but don't hire a Hollis because the work will get done and it will be good work. The question is, is when will it get done? Why? Because over the years when my dad would have a job and he would say, hey, come, come grab the tools, come and work with me. After a couple of years, I started going, oh, no. Why? Because my dad, he would say, hey, we're going to work on this plumbing thing. We're going to work on this electrical thing. We're going to work on some carpentry. So he would get some wood. He would take two or three boards. He would cut them down. He would nail them together. And then after he would nail them together, he would do this move. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together now. What are we going to do next? Hold on, boy. (laughs) Renee! You're going to want to look at this. Is my washroom done? No. But just come and delight in what we've done so far. Actually, you know what? I think we're done for the day. I'm going to go delight and rest, relax, make a sandwich. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do construction jobs anymore, but there's something in my DNA, and I have become Randy. My wife's like, okay, we're going to redo the bathroom. And I'm like, okay. So we got to tear out what's in the bathroom in order to put the new thing in the bathroom that we bought for the bathroom, right? So one day I'm just, I'm like, you know what? Somebody's got to tear it out. I guess I'll tear it out and I'll go ahead and get started now. So I tear everything out. I start ripping out the sink. I rip out the wood. I rip out everything. I rip out part of the sheetrock on accident. I rip it out. And then there it is. <sighs> My God. Stop it! What are you doing? You have become him. (laughs) Haley, get in here! Are you done with the bathroom? Oh, no, honey, we're just getting started. Come delight in the destruction, I mean, the, the beautiful creation that I have made. Here's my question. When's the last time you stopped and took a step back and delighted in anything in your life? Are you too busy running? Too busy being productive? Too busy chasing? Because God says, here's what I want you to do. I've given you six days to get everything done, and on one day, I want you to stop. I want you to step back, and I want you to delight in me. And I want you to delight in my creation. And I want you to delight in the other people that I have put in your life. I want you to take a step back, take a day off, put down the iPhone. Don't just spend it binging Netflix. Don't just spend it scrolling on Instagram. I don't think you can really scroll on Instagram and delight in me at the same time. So I need you to take a step back, turn off the cell phone. Oh, there it is. Jaron's calling us and he's saying, hey, guess what? One day a week, Believer's Church, you're going to be Amish. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm trying to teach you 
how to stop, step back, rest, relax, delight. Just, just look at God and everything he's done. If you're so focused on what's coming next, you can't be thankful for what God has given you now. Delight in what he's given you now. Delight in his creation. You know what you can do? You can get up in the morning. You can spend 20, 30 minutes with him in his word. Delight in his word. Sip a cup of coffee. Don't just sniff it. Enjoy the day. Go outside. Breathe the air. Maybe buy a cake the day before and then plan on with your family, your spouse, your friends, getting together and devouring that delicious chocolate cake with some ice cream. Delight. Enjoy the day. Maybe sit back and watch a movie. I don't know. I'm not trying to be too legalistic about this. Enjoy the day. Delight in God. Delight in his creation. Have fun. Parents, adults, spouses, when the kids finally wear out and go to bed, get into the bedroom and delight in God's creation. You know what I'm saying? We adults here? Y'all haven't read Song of Solomon. <laughs> Listen, when's the last time you delighted? Not, not in Netflix all day, but God, his creation and those he's put in your life. And I, I want you to know here today, right now, I'm just scratching the surface of the Sabbath. This is something, a practice that I have been studying for the last two years of my life. And I know I'm only giving you a syllabus overview, Okay. I want you to use this as a springboard to go investigate the Sabbath for yourself. When you leave here, right, let it motivate you. Let it compel you to action to do something in your own faith. I'm not going to give you every single answer today. It's too hard. We all live very different lives, and we move at different speeds, and we have different professions. We've got to figure out how to balance it in our own life. Listen, for me, Sunday is not my Sabbath. Why? Because it's the day I come here to celebrate God and worship him and serve you with my gift. I have to take another day and make it my day of rest. We'll get there. We'll get there. Don't you worry. So stop. Step out of hurry. Step into delighting in God and his creation and the people that he's put in your life. But man, we're so busy, aren't we? It's easy to forget to slow down, isn't it? It's easy to forget that you even need rest. We forget to slow down. We forget to stop. We forget Shabbat. We forget the Sabbath. We forget to observe it. And this actually shows out. You know that we're, as Americans, we're not the only people that have struggled with this concept. There's a people, they're in the Bible a little bit here and there. They're called the Israelites. They are, they're all throughout the Bible. And God actually had to teach them to observe the Sabbath. Watch this. There's this little thing, insignificant. It's just a really small list, only 10 items, right? 10 commandments. You may or may have not heard of it. Uh, but the fourth one is this, and we forget that this is the fourth commandment from God. Exodus 20, 8 through 10 says this, remember, don't forget, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, keep it separate, get out of go, Enter into stop. Stop hurrying and enter into delight with God. You have six days every week for your ordinary work. You can do your laundry on your day off if you really want to. My wife, she did 
theological gymnastics on me the other day. And I was like, you can't do laundry on the Sabbath. And she's like, I bet I can. And I was like, I was like, but, but you, you can't do that and delight in God. And she said, when I sit there and I fold the laundry and I thank God for my babies. I was like, whoa, you can get creative. But most of us don't delight in God when we're doing the dishes, right? But that was impressive. We can be creative about how we delight in God, but don't try to trick yourself into doing work and call it delight, right? Unless you truly do. <sighs> Verse 10 says this, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. That includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Nobody in your house can do any work. And here we are, we go, oh, what a meanie. God making me rest. Why did God make rest a rule? Because there were people that spent 400 years under the whip in slavery, working seven days a week, 14, 15, 16 hours a day. They didn't know what rest was. They'd never lived it. They didn't understand it, not to the least. God said, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take you out of Egypt. We're gonna leave Pharaoh in a watery grave and I'm gonna take you to a place called the promised land, right? A place flowing with milk and honey where you'll be able to kick your feet up. And he says, here's what I'm gonna do. You've been working so hard for so long. I am going to make magic bread fall from the sky. I'm gonna cause manna to fall from the sky in six days out of the week. All you've gotta do is go outside, put your PJs on and grab it and bring it inside. God was DoorDashing before DoorDash was a thing. But God makes this interesting promise. He says, if on the sixth day, if on the sixth day you promise me to take off on the second day, don't work, don't do anything. I'll deliver a double door dash on Friday so you can take off all day Saturday. This is crazy, right? But guess what happens? The Hebrew people get to the border of the promised land. They send in 12 scouts to scout out the land. Correct me if I'm wrong, 10 of the 12 come back, correct, with a report. They come back with a report and they say, there be giants in them land. We can't go in there, they'll slaughter us. And God says, I'm on your side. I will cause them to fail and you will succeed. But they're met with the slightest inconvenience and guess what they start saying? You know what? Why don't we just go back to Egypt? They say, drag Aaron, drag Moses out here. We're gonna stone him to death and we're gonna put a new captain in place. And we're gonna go back to our old slave master. God's been door dashing us free food every single week and we're gonna go back to not enough food and not enough sleep. Can we use our holy imaginations for a second? I want you to pretend with me that we are there on the border, right, of the promised land. We're about to enter in. 
we're sitting here, it's nighttime, it's cool. We live in this dry, arid desert where there's no Kentucky humidity. We're sitting by the fire, we're feasting on our portion of manna. There's a pillar of fire in the tent of meeting and it's keeping us extra warm. We feel great. We are in the security and the loving arms of our God and we're sitting around the fire and up walks Jimmy. (laughs) Jimmy, the Hebrew village idiot. And Jimmy sits down and he says, man, this manna is good, right? Tastes good. It's nice. Land of milk and honey is right over there. But do you ever miss Pharaoh? No, Jimmy. No, no, no. Hear me out. Do you ever miss the seven days a week, 14, 15 hour days with no sleep and barely enough food? Do you, man, I miss those days. Do you remember, man? It was so awesome when they took away the straw and we had to collect our own straw to make bricks. Jimmy, no. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Like, like, do you ever run your fingers across the, the whiplashes on your back and, and hear the tyrannical screams of our overlords and think, oh, man, I wish I could go back to Egypt. Do you ever, do you ever miss Pharaoh? Jimmy, no. Jimmy, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to pull a Moses and bury you in the sand. He didn't mean it, God. Jimmy sounds crazy, right? But the problem is, is we sound a whole lot like Jimmy. Can't we just go back to Egypt? Let me say it another way. Do I have to take a day off? You see, this overtime is paying really good. And Christmas is coming up. Do I really have to, I just can't afford to quit my side hustle and rest and serve God and delight. I can't. Do I have to? Do I have to take a day off? Do do I, do I have to, do I have to stop and step back and delight in the presence of God? Do I have to? You don't have to, you get to. Do you hear yourself? Do we hear that American voice in the back of our head that we think is Jesus, but it's not Jesus? It's the enemy telling you to hurry your way into an early grave. Man, do we have to? Aren't we free from the law, Jaron? The stories that you're telling, they're cute, but they're from the Old Testament. Jesus came to set us free. I'm freed by grace. Right? I'm free. I don't have to rest anymore. I'm free. I'm free. I don't live under the law. I live under Jesus. When people say this, it's like, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. Well, take what you will, but I identify as a person that is religious. Well, why? Do you know what religion means? It means to be connected to and in complete servitude to a God. I am very religious. (laughs) But I also want to love him. God doesn't want your religion if you don't have a relationship with him. So be careful. Aren't we free from the law? We're a New Testament church. We're under the new covenant. Jesus died for our sins. We're saved and we don't have to follow any rules. We just have to follow Jesus. 
Well, can we read something from the New Testament from the people that were following Jesus? Watch what they said. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It didn't go away. It didn't disappear. God didn't ignore the fourth commandment. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest. Why? So that no one will perish. You want to perish? You want to wear out? You want to walk through this life worn out, tired, busted, disgusted? By all means, go right ahead. But I don't want to. I want to live a life that is full and rested. Oh, Jaron, that's it's interesting. You want to see what Jesus said about the Sabbath? Mark 2, 27 says this, that the Sabbath was made for you. It was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So just sit with that, jot that down, take it home, sit on it, think about it, chew on it, you know? Do I have to? You don't have to, you get to. Do you ever feel like when you were growing up, maybe like four, five, six, in hindsight, when you look back at yourself as a child, you're like, man, you were an idiot. All the naps I passed up when I was about five years old, I regret so much. And I tried to debate my child. I'm like, Henry, buddy, do you just, daddy is so tired. Will you please, just take a nap. And he's like, but I'm not tired. Do I have to take a nap? Well, no, you don't have to, but I promise you, honey, you'll regret it if you don't. You'll wish that you had. Do I have to observe the Sabbath? Do I have to rest? Do I have to relax? That's about as helpful as asking if you need to breathe or not. Do I have to breathe? You don't. Did you know you can hold your breath for as long as you want to, but eventually you're going to pass out? Do I have to obey the Sabbath? Do I have to follow the Ten Commandments? You don't have to follow the Ten Commandments, but guess what? There will be consequences. There will be consequences. You can ignore the Sabbath all you want. but you'll need to rest eventually. Well, no, Jaron, that's not true. Why? I'm one of those superhumans. I sleep four hours a night, and I get everything. Do you ever, have you ever met that person? I hate those people. I hate them, hate them. <laughs> I don't hate them, but those people that are like, I don't need it. I've got all the energy in my mind. I've got all the energy in my brain. I can work, 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 and I got so much overtime. I've, have you ever met that person? You say, how was your week? And they say, Woo! Don't you mean how's the last two weeks been? I've worked 14 days, 12-hour days, but just wait until you see that paycheck. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Isn't it weird? The Sabbath is the only commandment we brag about breaking. That's weird, isn't it? Oh, man! You're not going to believe how many things I stole last week. Oh, I told 26 lies and I got away with 23 of them. You're not going to believe how many married women I lusted after. 
I thought about murdering at least five people. <laughs> no, we don't do that. Because we know that those things are wrong. They're broken and God says don't do these because I love you. But when it comes to rest, eh. I get it. No, no, no. I don't need I don't need five. I only need 5 hours of sleep. I can go, 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 go. I will not run out of energy. Let me ask you a question. How's your joy? How's your love? How's your peace? How's your gentleness? How's your kindness? How's your forbearance, your capacity and ability to deal with very difficult people? Whew. Can I tell you a secret? I run out of fruit long before I run out of energy. But the truth is, is I'm really good at hiding it from you. You know who I'm not good at hiding it from? My family. Some of my closest friends. You see, my wife knows that I can keep going, but she knows when I've run out of patience for the kids. She knows when I've run out of joy in our relationship. She knows when I've, she knows when I've run myself ragged. She knows. You slept last night. Yeah, I slept. But you haven't sat at the feet of Jesus in a while, have you? No. You'll run out of fruit long before you run out of energy. And if you're a Christ follower, you can never afford to run out of fruit because you're supposed to look different and be different than the rest of your coworkers. than the rest of your relatives, than the rest of the world that's walking around out there chasing after advertisements that are promising them rest. They're promising them fruit. They're promising them unlimited peace. <laughs> they can't deliver on it, but I know someone that can. Galatians 5.22 says this, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, if you don't know what that is, that is your ability to be patient and kind to difficult people. But how many of y'all have ever run out of patience with somebody, right? We, how many of y'all know we need forbearance in this day and age? We need it. And I see some of you guys in the Facebook comment sections. Amy, don't hurt me. It's not you. I promise you. She came. She said, have you been stuck in my Facebook? No. Listen to me. Some of y'all look good on Sundays, but you're running out of forbearance in the comment sections on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Right? Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How many of y'all ever tried to start a New Year's resolution? How many of you all have failed? Ugh. Right? We try. We try to manufacture, right? I'm going to produce. I'm going to, this is new year, new me. I'm going to do it. You can't stop me. I'm determined. 
I've set up my environment. I got enough willpower and self-control for days. In week two, you're done. You've returned all the fitness clothes to Target. Why? Because it doesn't come from you. It comes from you sitting at the feet of Jesus. Watch this, watch this, watch this. John, how do we get the fruit of the Spirit? John 15, verse 5 says this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Those who take the time to stop, to step back, delight in me, to be a Mary in a world full of Marthas and sit at my feet and rest. Shabbat. That's the only way. If you stop, if you step out of the hurry of this world and you step into my delight, if I remain the vine, you the branches, if you are a tree planted by the rivers, not, not, not once planted by the rivers, not for 30 minutes in a devotion in the morning, planted, you live in this place. If you are planted by the rivers of living water, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do anything. You gotta step out of hurry and you gotta step into the presence of God. And guess what? He will fill you back up. But so many of us are trying to serve people, to love people, to go to our job. We're trying to be full of peace. We're trying to be full of joy. We're trying to be full of kindness. We're trying to be full of patience. But we're pouring out of an empty cup because we never took our cup to the master. We didn't spend enough time with him. We didn't rest, we didn't delight in him, we didn't delight in his creation, we didn't delight and enjoy those that he put in our lives. So, what am I calling you into? Just a few more minutes and we're gonna close. You guys still tracking with me, you still here? Okay, just wanna make sure you're still awake. I understand that you might think, well, you're calling me to this this crazy life of spiritual somberness and solitude, I think I've made it clear that delight is very different than that. I'm not telling you to go be in a prayer closet for 24 hours. That is not what I'm asking of you, and that's not what God has asked of you. And I know that it might sound like that, and all the extroverts in the room are going, no! I can't do it! And all the introverts are going, yes! Yes! This is all I want, to be away from people. God is taking me out of my season of being around people and he's putting me into a season. Have you ever heard this? He's putting me into a new season. God's putting me into a new season of isolation. First of all, this is not frozen and you are not Elsa. Right? You're not the ice queen. So many people say, well, this is my time to be away from the body. I have to cut myself off so I can go and I can spend time with Jesus and I can heal. Since when did doctors cut limbs off so that they could heal? I know it's good, Cindy. I know it's good. Thank you. I'm glad. It's the word of God. That's not me. Right? The season. The season. I'm 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 going to step out of this message for a second. And talk about our Christianese language for just a second. God's got me in a, God's got me in a season right now. I had a conversation 
with my employer and we agreed that this was not the best fit for either of us. So right now I'm in a, an employment deficit. You got fired, didn't you? You know, I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been looking for a church for the last five years. The Lord has had me in a season of wandering. I've gone to 25 churches. He has me in a season of wandering. It sounds to me like you just can't get along with people. Stop trying to church up. Mm. Stop taking your unhealthy social habits and giving them the label of holiness. It's not holiness. It's not godliness. It's not goodness. It doesn't look like him. It's just me and Jesus in my prayer closet. I can finally cut myself off from the rest of the world. I don't have to delight in anybody else, just me and Jesus. I don't have to love anybody else. I don't have to serve anybody else. It can just be me, my self-righteousness, and Jesus in a closet all alone. Me and God, and he can keep me safe from all those icky, nasty people out there. You know what that sounds like? We're starting to sound like the people that killed Jesus. Well, the people that tried to kill Jesus, <laughs> they failed. So, you can, you can practice the Sabbath, and you can still be disconnected from God at the same time. You can step away, and you can step into your season of rest and call it holiness, but unless you're delighting in God, delighting in his creation, and delighting in those that he gave you, it's not much of a Sabbath so let's not get too legalistic about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one final story from the Bible. I'm going to paint you a picture of how God really feels about the Sabbath so you guys don't think that I'm saying, hey, man, we better do this or else. It's not what I'm saying. I want you to see the heart of God about rest for your life, for you to stop, for you to cease, for you to Shabbat, step back and delight. Let's read really quickly Mark 3. This is uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And Jesus went into a synagogue. He went into a temple again, and he noticed a man with a deformed hand, right? And since it was the Sabbath, the day of rest, the day of ceasing, the day of don't let us catch you doing anything. Don't let us catch you working. Don't let us catch you lifting a finger. Don't let us see, see you do anything wrong. Jesus' enemies were watching him. It says that they were watching him closely. If, uh, if he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. I want to I make a quick point here that it says that Jesus' enemies were watching him closely, but they weren't watching him closely enough, you see, because they didn't recognize that they, were, they, they, they had fallen so in love with the law that they missed out on the fact that they were in the presence of the lawgiver. Oh. So Jesus said to the man, this is verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, he said, come and stand in front of everybody. Come here, park it right next to me, buddy. Why? Because I want all these self-righteous nut jobs. I want them to see what is important to God. Rest is important. Rest is good. It is critical. And you must have it. But I want them to see that we can't be so in love with the rule that we forget the heart of the rule giver. So come, stand in front of everybody. Verse 4 says this. 
Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Is it okay for God to do a good thing? Is it okay for God to love someone? Is it okay for us to extend a hand and heal somebody? Is it okay for us to reach out into the ditch and pick up the lamb with the broken legs and put it up on our shoulders and love them? Is it okay for us to serve someone else just because it's our day off? Or is this a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or destroy it? But guess what? They wouldn't answer him because they knew the truth. They were obsessed with following the rule. He looked around at them, verse 5. He looked around at them angrily. Righteous anger. Godly anger. See, God really hates it when we say that we're like him and we look like him and we sound like him, but we're not willing to serve like him, right? He looked at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. I'm so glad that I serve a God that was willing to work on his off day to find me. I'm glad that I serve a God that's willing to break the rules, to come after me and to come after you and to go after the lost and the broken and the hurting of Louisville, Kentucky. And he can do that and still prioritize rest. Verse 6 says, at once the Pharisees went away. They completely missed who he was. They missed the fact that he was the lawgiver. They forget, they forgot completely that he was the rule maker. They were so in love with the rule. They were so in love with the Sabbath that they missed the Savior. He went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. So what am I trying to say? We should rest. Rest is important. I want you to go home and I want you to look at your schedules, look at your day, look at your work week, look at your Sundays. I want you to look at everything and see what you can eliminate to delight in God. Delight, but do not become so obsessed with rest that you refuse to serve other people. Don't become so obsessed with rest that you refuse to serve other people. We cannot afford to do it. So I'm about to make... 180 degree turn at breakneck speeds and you're going to say what in the world are you talking about Jaron today we're doing a thing up here people team members come out here really quickly dream team members today is dream team Sunday what is that well our volunteers we call them the dream team these are the people that come here and prioritize worshiping God and that prioritize serving you So I'm going to let them get in place for just a second. 
so that you guys, once, once you watch them walk around, we're easily distracted creatures, aren't we? Look at these beautiful people walking around. Look at this candy. I'm about to tempt you. Oh, you're fine. Don't worry about it. So, here's what I'll say. Today, here's what we're going to ask you. If you've been coming here for a little while and you know that this is home, you know you want to be here, and you know that God has given you gifts, talents, and ability, I want to say this to you. You are special to God. He created you with a unique ability, a unique purpose, and he wants to see you use it to advance his kingdom. He wants you to become connected to the body and he wants you to become activated and alive. And all this is, is an opportunity for you to come out, look at the different teams we have and say, hey, I wonder if I would fit in that part of the body. I may not wanna speak, I may not wanna worship up front, I may not wanna sing, I, I, I may never ever hold a microphone, but you know what I could do? I could serve in the coffee shop. I'm not an in front of the camera person, but I would run a camera if I could be the eyes so that somebody might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They might hear through the speaker system. If I'm running sound, they might, they might see a little bit better if I dedicate my time to production and I help run lights. They, if, if, if somebody is hungry and in need, I wanna be the hands and feet that come here and work with our outreach ministry and I take meals to the homeless on Mondays, right? God has a purpose and a design for you. So what are you talking about, Jeremy? I'm talking about structuring and reprioritizing our lives so that we can do one thing. We can stop, we can step back, we can Shabbat, we can delight in God, we can delight in his creation, and we can delight in those that he's given us. But then to go a step further, this is what my father taught me and I wanna extend this to you. Y'all ever found it difficult when getting a job to get off on Sundays? Anybody? I've been, have you ever been challenged in that area? You're like, I need off on Sundays. I need to go to church. Oh, we can't do that. My dad taught me this. He said, he said, well, you go in there and you give them a good deal, son. I was like, what do you mean? He said, this is what you go in and you tell them. You tell them, I'll be one of the best employees that you've got. And I'll give you five days of my week. I'll give you five days of my labor but here's what I need from you. I need you to give me off Sunday so that I can go and celebrate my God and worship him and serve other people with the gift that my God has given me. I need that from you, okay? That day for me is Sunday. Can we do that? Sometimes they're like, okay, sure, yeah. And then I say, but then I need another day and I need another day to where I can stop. I can sit back and I can rest and I can relax and I can delight in God and I can delight in what he's made and I can delight in my friends and my fellowship with other people and I can spend time with my family. Can you do that for me? Well, I don't know what, we'll call corporate. <laughs> I didn't even sign paperwork and I'm a slave already. Listen, I'll give you two days or I'll give you five days if you let me keep my two days. And nine times out of 10, they said yes. And I said, here's the thing. If you allow me, if you allow me to worship my God and serve my people and you allow me to rest, I'll be one of the best employees you've got. And the thing that they don't know is that I'm taking those days to worship God, sit down and gather fruit. 
and I take it to my job and I serve. Why don't you stand? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me. I want you to steal that strategy. How many of you all, how many of you all know that you face challenges in your, in your schedule and your agenda right now as it is? Let's be honest. We face those challenges, don't we? Take your life back. Take your life back. Negotiate for your worship. Negotiate for your Sabbath. Negotiate for your rest. You deserve it. God designed you that way. It's time to take it back and stop serving the wrong master. I know, I know. Oh man, this is, this is, you're getting a little bit bold. Let's fight back against the broken culture. Who do we serve? Jesus. I don't serve Best Buy. I don't serve Walmart. I don't serve U of L Health. I don't serve any of them. They're my employee, but I'm not their slave. I'm a servant of the Most High God. And I would recommend to you that you take back your Sundays, your opportunity to worship God and serve others, and you take back a day to rest and Sabbath. Shabbat, stop, step back and delight in the presence of God. Can you take this home with you? And I'm not asking you to completely implement it. It's taken me years. And can I just tell you from time to time, I stumble. I mess up. I don't always get it right. There are times when I catch myself in a hurry and I don't even know I'm in a hurry. And I have to slow down. I have to tie myself again to Jesus and walk at his pace. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna pray and then I'm gonna invite you to come up here and look at these. Talk with some of our leaders. Say, you know what? I know I'd like to get involved. I'd like to serve come. And even if you don't sign up, fine. Take a Twix bar. I don't care. By all means, just do it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these words. We thank you for your promises. Thank you for telling us that if we just slow down, if we stop and we sit at your feet, you promise that you will give us the rest that causes the weary to rest. You say you will give us rest for our weary souls. And we want to take you up on that promise. We want to take the time to slow down and walk at your pace and sit at your feet. And God, we want to put you in the God spot, space number one, and then put family in the family spot, number two, and then put church in the church spot, number three, and then put work in the work spot, number four. And you said if we put you in the God spot, that you would give us everything that we need. And we thank you for that promise, God. Let us trust you, not just as a savior, but let us trust you as a provider. Let us take you up on your promise. Let us face that challenge and let us believe in you. Let us not be people of little faith. Let us trust you to show up and give us everything that we need to put a shirt on our back, a roof over our head, a car in our garage, food in our mouth. We wanna trust you and God, we thank you for reminding us to obey your Sabbath, to take a step back, to look up, to delight in you and say, thank you, God, to look into your word and read and discover the goodness of who you are, to delight in your creation, enjoy good foods, spend time laughing, read a book, uh, tell jokes, enjoy the company of the good godly people that you've put around us. Thank you, God, for this. Let us follow after you. But God, don't let us be so obsessed with the rule that we forget the heart of the one who made the rule. Let us seek to rest, but also let us seek to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray.